Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Hello. Hello and welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. The Bachelor Australia podcast that asked the question, he got rid of Zoe Claire? I in don't spite get of her it. bone structure? <laughs> What are we doing about this? I thought she had a real future in this competition. Me too. You know, I just feel like the the market for racist redheads. Mm. There was she a huge has, gap in it. She has got something that no one else has. <laughs> and I don't know exactly what it is. I can't pin it down. Oh. I don't remember what it is that sets her apart. There was a distinguishing quality about her. Right, it's on the tip of my tongue. Can't I say just, what it is. Yeah, I don't know. My name is Max Quinn. Zooming in from his Malibu mansion on the Gold Coast is Xavier Rebetsky Noonan. Does that work? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. All right. Hey, uh, we got a lot to talk about this week, including a new presenting ding, sponsor ding, of the ding, show ding, ding, later ding, ding, ding. on. Sorry, just experimenting with the Doppler effect. <laughs> Go on. Hey, uh, well, look, what a week of, of Bachelor. We're about to enter lockdown, Xavi. Yeah, I'm excited. I want the fucking show to break in half. Right, because <laughs> at this point, the show has broken itself in half. And I can say this is probably the season that I've enjoyed the least in some time. Yeah, I think I have to agree. And it's a bit of a bummer because obviously we host a podcast uh, about this show and it's kind of predicated on getting people to feel excited about it in a way. Right. Right. Um, yeah, it's a drag. This, this is the show that we love so much that we've been talking about on a podcast for so long. Episodes five and six, I will say, better than episodes three and four. Mm. And I think that there was at least some meat on the bone that we can sort of pull out and pull apart. And, you know, we can um, play some four-dimensional chess this week. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I think the through line for these episodes, though, is that we are sort of harvesting the seeds that have been sown in these first few. And I think we're realizing that some of the like seemingly pretty trivial changes in structure that we've noticed over these first few episodes have really caused some kind of substantial cracks in the like plot and character arcs of the show. Right. There's a couple of moments that I'm going to spotlight as we go through them that it's just like, I think at the start of this season, we were like, oh, this is a little bit like tonally weird. And there's a few things like, you know, maybe sometimes it's a little bit boring because they're stretching a little bit too long, or maybe sometimes it feels a bit rushed. But now at this point, I'm like, no, it's like kind of fundamentally broken the narrative. Right, right. So I agree with you. I'm all in favor of taking creative risk. That's one of my favorite things. For sure. And like, I'm here for the show trying to do something different, even if the pandemic is what brought it out. I just don't think that they succeeded in what they're trying to do. I don't think that means that we should be like 
overly over the top critical of you know um uh, this this TV show for taking a swing and missing mm. that I think that's fine but I do think that we can look at it and go okay why didn't this work right yeah I think they've been forced into a pretty bad situation and they've tried to make the best of it uh, and tried to you know I guess play it a bit safe and yeah I, I just don't think it has turned out all that well yeah but nobody put Xavier in a corner let me tell you that much <laughs> we're gonna move on and uh, begin to recap the episodes I just love that I'm sure neither of us have seen Dirty Dancing. <laughs> I'm sure there are people who listen to this podcast who hate that. It's such a like frequent touch point of this show. It's so yeah, like Georgia Love had a whole date themed around it in her season. Right. I couldn't tell you uh, what happened. No. There's a lift, I believe, that happens in Dirty Dancing where someone is this lifts. The, is this is it the one with the song where it's like I had the time of my life? I think so. Unless that's Flash you. Dance, which I also haven't seen. Flash Dance, baby, Flash Dance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's let's talk about these episodes. Let's do these recaps. Let's talk about The Bachelor of Starfire, season eight, episode five. <laughs> Oh, oh no! Uh, I was not expecting it. Not liking it, or what do you think? What's the feedback there? <laughs> the feedback is, I love it, and also simultaneously never again. Yeah. Well, the thing is, we often have a guest, and I would never do that. <laughs> 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 okay. So, all right. So here's the thing. Uh, episode five, we rejoin a cocktail party that's already in progress. Am I crazy, or is the effect still kind of on a little bit? Or am I? <laughs> I'm just hearing it in my I head. I can't hear it. We rejoin a cocktail party already in progress. <laughs> um, Juliet grabs Lockie to explain to him why she wasn't at the group date. Interestingly, she tells Lockie that she was sick, whereas she told Ariba that she'd given her the spot to make up for the letter incident. So I don't know what the truth of this is. Also, I just want to say structurally... We pick up a cocktail party that's already in progress and I have no memory of what happened. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm kind of like, why, why is this important? What matters here? Like, last I heard, Roxy was maybe having a meltdown. Right. I don't remember anything about why there's tension here or there's, like, there's the um, stakes are so low that there's no reason for this to have carried over over the course of a week. So it feels kind of meaningless that we pick Absolutely. it up Absolutely, yeah. I think what, what I'm trying to do on our podcast is to sort of set the scene for our listeners in a way that I think the show didn't do. Please. So, you know, Roxy, she's got a rose, but she says that she's got, quote, full anxiety that Juliet is going to throw her under the bus. The reason that Juliet would throw Roxy under the bus is left very unclear, but there's like quite a few clips stitched together of Roxy saying things like, she's doing it because I came back with a rose and now I'm a threat and she's making up wild things about me. Now... Look, I mean, it's worth saying that just because we as an audience haven't been given any reason to believe that this is true, it doesn't mean that there is no truth to it. Yeah. Um, it's not a stretch to believe that there's something that justifies Roxy's concern that has been removed from the show to give us a different impression of Roxy. However, whether or not that's the case, it makes this whole chunk of the episode completely incomprehensible. We're yeah. dropped... As you said, we're dropped right in the middle of a cocktail party. It's a week removed from what little context that we were actually given about this storyline. And we're expected to understand where everybody's coming from. I was like squinting harder than French Stewart when this was happening. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I mean? I was just like, my brow was furrowed. 
I was just like, what is, I don't, I don't understand what the stakes are. And you're absolutely right. Mm. They might've removed something, but if there was something salacious happening here, you would think that the show would show both sides of it. Yeah, you'd think so. And I think like, there's also a very crucial part of this, that this, that the way that this season has been broken up is deliberately obscuring, which I absolutely can't understand. The fact that this cocktail party, despite being a week later in our time as viewers, it takes place directly after Roxy had the five hot dog batchy couch alone time with Lockie. Like, properly directly after. Like, it, they just came back and then this... Maybe there was an hour or two in hair and makeup or whatever, but, like, that information is extremely relevant to this episode and yeah. how people are feeling and, you know, what Roxy's point of view is and it makes Roxy's position on this way more interesting to have that context absolutely you know like you don't come off the back of a 5hcbcat <laughs> without you know really like having a lot of character development and a lot right. of investment and we miss all of that because at this point i'm like is the show trying to tell us that roxy's crazy or is this being stitched up in such a way that right. we're just supposed to remember that Roxy might have all of this, like, emotional, like, the, the kind of emotional cocktail that I frankly would not want to drink from sure. going on. Yeah, because she's just had this time with him, so one would think that the show would want to recap that or make it clear that, you know, she doesn't really need any more extra time. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of clear if you remember she's got a rose. Like, right. Um, but I would buy more... And I don't know if I do, but I would buy more the the Roxy is a crazy person angle that I think they're trying to sell if they, like, underline that fact. And it's, right. it's only due to the fact that we're paying too much attention and doing recaps of these episodes and stuff that I think that stuff is, is clear. Right, so that we're able to say, listeners, some context. Remember a week ago when Roxy said to Lockie, hey, I'm really guarded, I've got a huge emotional wall up, I have all of these things about myself. Like, that directly informs what's happening in right. this episode. But the characterization that we're shown is Roxy, you know, like, is maybe the manifestation of that and maybe a little bit of, like, um, an inability to regulate emotion mixed mm. with alcohol. Mm. But at the same time, like, we're missing that vital credential. Yeah, There's this extremely ill-timed discussion, which involves half a dozen or so women, who seem to agree that Juliet was not sick enough to take a day off, Uh, (laughs) which is some real, like, shift supervisor (laughs) trying to wrangle their underpaid casual employees type of shit. Uh, Funny. And they all say, like, oh, well, if I was really sick, even if it was really bad, I would still come into the group date because I guess, like, they think they're going to get a promotion if they don't use any of their leave or something like that. This is a COVID no. Yeah, it's a real it's a real red flag knowing what's around the corner, hey. There's I mean like and this is on the precipice of it as well. Like we learned that over these like what, three, four days of filming mm. between this cocktail party and the next one, the pandemic has hit. Like right. we have a real definitive like this is March the fifteenth. Right, right, right. Let's talk timelines actually, because I you know, I was gonna save this for the end, but there's no point avoiding it. This comes from a piece that I read on Mamma Mia about, like, what dates a lot of this stuff was happening. Um, The World Health Organization announced the novel coronavirus was a pandemic on March 11th. Social distancing rules were imposed in Australia on March 21st, around the same time that states began to lock down. 
And then news that The Bachelor had suspended filming came on March 26th. So we don't know exactly what happened in those couple of weeks. Maybe they were trying to figure it out. Maybe they were trying to like make the best of the situation or whatever. Um, or maybe they quit filming straight away and they just news didn't break for a little while. At the time, Channel 10 said that it had, had been, quote, employing extra precautions on set for, quote, some time beforehand. And I want to look at that. Like, I want to look at the episodes through that lens, I guess, because... There's every chance, you know, we're not qualified to report on this. There's every chance that they're doing lots of due diligence behind the scenes. And mm -hmm. also the situation was very different in like early to mid-March than it is right now. And, you know, things that we are very, uh, think are very commonplace, like masks and that kind of thing, probably weren't as much then. Certainly. Um, but it makes you think a little bit differently about things like having a mud bath or like, yeah, these like big group chats about... Like fucking tackle football. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Let me tell you. Okay, so here's a, here's a real life example of how this is working. Sure. The NBA, right? Mm. They flew everyone to Florida. Right. They made them undergo two weeks of mandatory quarantine. Mm -hmm. They had to have a certain amount of time before the uh, the players were allowed to then get a COVID test and they had to have a mandatory number of tests yep. return negative before that they could then begin to practice with their teammates. They have locked down Disney World in Florida mm -hmm. for this to happen. Right. What's happening on The Bachelor is that <laughs> we've thrown a bunch of women in the field and said, go get it. Yeah. These are not the proper precautions. No, they're not at Disney World. They're no. not going on Splash Mountain on their off time. <laughs> I wish they could. <laughs> Frankly, it would do them a lot of good. Hey, bring it on. <laughs> uh, yeah, is Splash the... Mountain, is that the name of the mud bath? I mean, <laughs> Maybe it is, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, you know, Laura, I don't know why exactly, kind of unprovoked. She decides to investigate. You know, Love this. she puts on a little, she gets a little magnifying glass, she puts on a little Sherlock hat. She infiltrates the group comprised of Juliet, Ariba, Christina, and Caitlin. And she asks, what's going on? If something is being potentially planned, is there something that's going to go on tonight? Is there a plan? Are you going to have, is there going to be some drama? Is something going to happen? It's funny because I have been asking those questions this whole season. <laughs> so good. This is so like I love this from Laura. I it's personally great. I think that Laura has emerged as like the underrated star of the season. Right. Yeah, she's crushing it this week. I agree. There's a whole lot to come I reckon on Laura, but just in this scene where she's like is there any drama going to like she's acting like <laughs> she works for fucking ASIO yeah. and I just adore it. But it's also just like, she's like, please let there be some drama. You know, it's yeah, so 100%. obvious. She's, she's like, like, give it to me. Whatever it is, I'll take it. Yes. <laughs> um, in her in the moment, Laura says that Juliet saying that there isn't a plan, quote, that to me reeks of some sort of a plan. <laughs> 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 oh, that's what, a, that's what a planner would say, that there's no plan. This is Survivor. Oh, right? Yeah, true. Like, we really see this week alliances start to form, yeah. and there's a bit more on that to come. But at this point, it is very much like you're saying one thing to my face, and I'm going to go to the camera and say, I don't believe it, and here's why. Yeah. <laughs> I just love Laura. Like, she's so 
convinced that there's a plan forming here. Everyone's got a plan. I think Laura needs to understand that for a lot of people, prepaid will actually give them more flexibility. And <laughs> if you're able to purchase your phone outright, you can stand to save quite a lot of money. Well, look, it's either that or like if you're you know still on a prepaid, maybe you're doing too much cocaine. That's just the other <laughs> thing that I like to put out there. <laughs> that could be right. <laughs> Uh, Laura says, shit doesn't go around this house for no reason, to which we all say, uh, oh. yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> okay. Pretty sure shit's been going around this house for many years. Right, yeah. Which, maybe they should be wearing masks if there's shit going around the house. Anyway. Well. Um, somehow this continues past the ab break. It's now time for Ariba and Christina's reactions to the allegation that they're tr- going to start drama and have plans. Christina is bored by the proceedings, relatable. Uh, and she tells Ariba to, quote, just smile rather than let Roxy know that they're annoyed. Meanwhile, we see Roxy crying, saying it'd be nice to just have two minutes with Lockie. And I'm like, did, did she need a sixth hot dog? What, how long does this need to be? <laughs> Dip it in water, babes. You'll get it down the gullet faster. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you seen those videos? I mean, you, I, that, you wouldn't say that if you hadn't. Have you seen the video of, like, the world's fastest hot dog eater? Who Joey Chestnut. Eats- I'm thinking of, maybe it's not the world's fastest. Maybe this is just a different hot dog eating video that I've seen. <laughs> where it's a guy who like swallows a hot dog whole, like he does the <gasps> like that thing, and oh then God. he coughs it up and spits it up into the air and then eats it again. Oh my god. He goes, No, like, I've <gasps> never seen that, but I think that you've been visiting some weird websites. <laughs> I don't know if what you went on was like a hot dog eating competition website or you like know, a now weird that I think about it, it was website. not. Yeah, it was not a hot dog. It was actually a man's penis. Now that I <laughs> now that I remember, I get those two kinds of videos mixed up. Uh, Rosemary, bless her heart. Let's talk about this. She's written like she's written a poem or a rap or something. It's probably she a performs rap, right? it as a rap. Yeah, she's doing. Oh, you can tell because she's doing little hand motions. Uh, for Lockie And um, I've, I've got it So I'm just gonna do it um, She says Maybe I should try Instead of making you say Everything that I'm thinking Baby Yeah Cause the truth is Yeah I wanna tell you everything Yeah But I just can't yet And that's okay That's okay Cause I know how you feel When you gave me that rose I was frozen Oh my gosh So nervous <laughs> I'll think of that rose Every petal screaming your name Oh Christopher Will you accept this? Well Brie I do I do I do I do Oh my god! Is if that you a never watched? Listen to your heart. <laughs> yeah, no one's gonna, <laughs> no one's gonna track that. I don't think that was just for you. Thank you. Look, uh, The Bachelor, listen to your heart. Ed, earlier in this year, if you are looking for something to do, we did a bunch of recap podcasts on it. The show itself is fucking batshit. It's crazy. It's Please really good. Dive in. Yeah. The scene that Xavier's describing is this weird date where these two people are in a guitar center. And they're sort of like singing their feelings at each other. And it is such uncomfortable television. It's Yeah, it's two people who have kind of just met and they're, they have they have to, have to like improvise a song together or something. It's bad. Um, and it's really bad. It's really bad. Um, I do have the actual rap, I guess. So it was only just the other day when we first met. You grabbed me by the flipper and that's when I started to sweat. Cute. I never knew I had a type until I saw your hype. You can tell I'm more than wifey material because I can cook more than a bowl of cereal. I know this rap is kind of crap, but hey, I thought I'd give it a crack. I think like if this was a freestyle, like if this was Christopher and Brie, I would give it heaps of credit. Um, Reading it off a piece of paper, coupled with, I guess, the optics of like adding yet another to the list of white rappers in the history of this show. (laughs) I don't know if I needed it. 
Uh, but the show had to have it. You know what I mean? Like, we seldom go a season without someone, like, standing under a lamplight and performing mm. some kind of beat poetry. Right. And I think um, I saw a Studio 10 interview between uh, Rosemary and fucking Joe Hildebrand and Christ. Carrie Ann Kennelly. No. Oh, what I... is that cocktail? <laughs> what is... Believe, oh, my Rosemary, I I sat through that. Yeah, I know. She seemed really happy to be there. It's just really distressing. Uh, and she was like, no, no, this is just a thing I do. It wasn't like... I wasn't doing it because it's a Bachelor thing. I just like... When I have a friend whose birthday it is, they know they're getting a wrap or whatever. That's so cute. Like, well, that's nice. I mean, I know. think that's really nice. Yeah, why not? Uh, yeah, uh, look, um, I think that you did miss a bit, though. Really? Yeah, there, there are a couple of lines in there that you missed where the beat was coming in and she was like, Electro, Diglett, Nidoran, Mankey, Venusaur, <laughs> Ratata, Fero, Pidgey, Sea King, Jolteon, Dragonite, Ghastly, and so on. Really good. Ariba gets a moment at a couch with Lockie, but then Lockie gets up to see what's going on with Roxy, who is seated across the room, and she's started to cry. So then Roxy and Lockie pop into the house, and Roxy tells Lockie it's the end of the night, and now they're talking? Have I been put last? This is fucking rude by Lockie. <laughs> it's really bad, hey? It's so... Like, I mean, so we can set aside the Roxy of it all and talk mm. about that in a second. I just want to address the fact that Lockie got up, yeah. left Ariba where she was, and was mm-hmm. like, see ya. And Ariba's what is like, that about? I'll wait, don't worry. And she tells her friends to like not come sit with her because she's still waiting. She doesn't want to seem like she's moved on from the conversation. Yeah, like, okay, Mumford and Sons. What are we What are we doing here? This is so mean of him to just be like, okay, don't care about... Like, it establishes such a hierarchy yeah. of, I care about this person, this... um like woman in distress who's crying over here more than yeah. I care about you. And I think that that's something that we sort of see with Loki a little bit as we go through where um, he has this with Bella a little bit in the next episode oh, yeah. as well, yeah. where he kind of, um, and he explains it to Roxy where he says like, I thought we were sweet. So I didn't feel like I needed to talk yeah. to you. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of feel like there's something missing here with the, um, the bachelor ring of it all right like i get the temptation obviously if it feels like it's a moment of crisis or whatever you want to be there and say the right things and that sort of thing totally um but i think there's probably a way to do it without literally leaving someone sitting on the couch expecting you to pop back in 10 seconds or whatever do we think that he's in the dark about all of the drama with roxy and ariba (sighs) maybe like charitably maybe um, it doesn't necessarily seem to be playing out in extremely like public places. And in fact, like it's a big criticism that I have of the start of this episode that it just doesn't really seem to involve at the, at the Bachelor very much at all. At all. Like he's really not on screen for very long. Quickly, um, do you think that Charitably Maybe is the name of the Oasis album if they were <laughs> like Christian? <laughs> yeah, true. Instead well, of being just... soccer hooligans, they're like God botherers. <laughs> Um, cut back to Ariba. She's waiting patiently on the batchy couch and she gets a tiny little bit of help understanding what's going on from Christina and Juliet. He just left your chat. I think he went to uh, Roxy. He's with Roxy. He returned to Roxy. He went to Roxy. He left and he said he'll come back to you, but he went to Roxy. Bullshit. Did he actually? Yeah. yeah. He's like, he's, he's not coming back, dude. Like... 
No way, is he actually with Roxy? I swear, he's with Roxy, that's why I'm over here. Do we know where he is? Is he actually with Roxy? Is he actually? I don't know. Is he, like, literally? Yeah. Literally? No, 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 is this actually a joke? Like, are you joking? It's gotta be a joke. Please tell me you're joking. So he left my chat. Wait, where was he before? The timeline is unclear. And he's actually talking to Roxy. Did he actually what? talk to Roxy? Like legit. He he's talking to who? He's talking to Roxy. Wait, who, who's Roxy? <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. That, that's the whole like build up to commercial break. Is like the strings and stuff are all building. They're like, dun, 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 dun. It's like, wait, hang on. What's the name of the guy who's on first? <laughs> that's funny. Very good. Um, and that's how we build to the rose ceremony as well. Um, Osha says, This week has shown you that there's nothing wrong with a bit of healthy competition when it comes to playing for Lockie's heart. Roxy, that rose makes it clear that you've made some yards towards Lockie's heart. This is the punchline of a joke whose setup was a week ago. It took me a few days to figure out he's talking about the like American Rewind football day. Date. Yeah. From two episodes ago. <laughs> right. It's like, I guess. There's, I mean, there's nothing that's happened since then. So with the linear structure of the show, this would make sense. And I'm sure they intended to cut it all within one episode. Right. And if he could have his time again, I'm sure he'd be like, oh, Roxy, you know, um, good crying today, babes. And yeah, here's, here's Lucky. He would say, um, wait, that Rose has actually gone to be with... Wait, hang on. The Rose <laughs> is going to be with, with Roxy? What? The... Sorry, that Wait, rose. Where's the rose? Where's, are you actually joking me right now? That rose is going to be. Surely a, this is some kind of funny joke. This is a silly, funny joke about Roxy. Oh dear. Anyway, absolutely out of nowhere, Lockie sends home Zoe Claire and Claire. There's Zoe Claire Claire. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a shame. I. I mean, they, they couldn't be both of them. I guess, or they couldn't be either. I guess. It. I mean, like, it's just word economy at this point. Mm. You have to assume. He's delete. He's found all Claire's and replaced. <laughs> <laughs> replaced with nothing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I think there's a temptation to eulogize Zoe Claire here. No, um, fuck no. But here's the thing. She's such a lock for paradise. Oh, I don't want to see her again. <laughs> you will though. She's I coming know. back. I yeah. know. Like I'm, I'm aware. I just, I didn't like it. I want mm. there to be some accountability with Zoe Claire yeah. where, I don't know. I think that I saw her on TikTok doing the her response to Matt Reprising Whitehead's it. Yeah. Yeah, um, cover of her <laughs> redhead speech. And Matt's thing is fucking fantastic, it's by great. the way. It's great. Uh, and the speed with which it. he got that out. Oh, incredible. I think Gab's posted it in um, the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting Facebook group if you want to go and have a look at it yeah. and watch Zoe Claire reacting to it and doing her speech at the same time as he's doing his speech of her speech. Right. Like, it's cool that she is having fun with it and that she's like, yeah, this was silly. But, like, let's address what's underlying with all mm. of this, which is, like, extreme white privilege. And it's not something to be like, lol, my bad. It's something to be like, oh, shit, no, nah, there's, like, there's a lot yeah. to address here. There's reasons why this is not acceptable and these are they. Right. It's almost like, I bet she feels like that is so out of character and so not what she really thinks that she doesn't even have to say anything or feel bad about it for a moment. But it's like, this is what everyone knows you for now. Yeah. It would be worth clarifying if you are not a yep. horrible racist. Yep. Or whatever. Like, if you, you know, I get standing by something funny, mean that you said 
like you know Kira Maguire or you know choose like your game on TV moles. villain. Yeah, totally. Like you know, I think there's there's a huge amount of space for that. But I also think like you know if we if we could give some advice to Zoe Claire, uh, you might want to like just do a little a little clean up of your of your public record. You know, let's just let's just have that conversation about. Look, yes, I appreciate this was a very funny, yes. very weird thing that happened on reality TV. But let's also talk about what informs it and the perspectives, and uh, let's let's address that because it matters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next day, halfway through an episode, I don't know. Um, Roxy tells the other women that quote it was very unfortunate. Lockie's finally met the drunken, raging Roxy, and I just want to crawl into a ball and hide. Juliet says, you know, she's not very happy with this explanation or this, you know, moment of regret. She's like, if, if I behave like that, at least I'd own it. Right. Which prompts Laura in her, uh, in the moment to say, there's so much beef, like at least 500 grams of beef, which is an incredible line. It's great. According, (laughs) according to the World Cancer Research Fund, anything over 500 grams of cooked red meat a week is linked with an increased risk of bowel cancer. So this situation really needs to be resolved. (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully, Osha, who incidentally is a vegan, so doesn't have any grams of red meat in a week, um, arrives to break up the tension. And Laura has another perler saying it's gone from The Bachelor to thank God you're here. She's good. She's crushing it. She's got so many good lines. There's a great one coming up in a little while. Yes. I love that this episode contains... I'm sorry, this week contains both references to Thank God You're Here and also Space Jump. Just the <laughs> fucking teenage theater sports nerds inside me is living for it. Okay, so here's the thing, though. Like, I want Laura also to be legitimized as uh, someone who could be a romantic lead for this show. I sure. can't wait to... Th- uh, unlike Zoe Claire, I can't wait to see Laura in Paradise at the moment. Yes. And it's for the exact reason that I think that she's someone who, like, is completely self-aware. This is totally. what I like about her, where she's like, Louis Vuitton handbag, lol, but I like what I like. Yeah, I think that's totally. a fundamental rule of, rule of human existence. People are going to like what they like. Doesn't mean that we can't learn or learn more about why we like what we like, but... Laura to be self-aware and to know what she's saying is dry and funny and to deliver it in such a way as to be like, yeah, here's the punchline. And then like we watch her with Rosemary doing the badum tish. Yeah, that's she's right. She's the person who like pipes that in as mm. Rosemary's doing her rap. I just think like there's an incredible level, same with Reba. We know this is what makes a great reality TV villain mm. of self-awareness in saying what she's saying and in acting in such a way that is going to make good television. I want to see more of her, and for that reason, I want her to get a single date. I want her and Lockie to be compatible. Yeah. I don't know if I see that happening, because I think Lockie is so, like, by the book. Um, yeah, do we have a Lockie problem? That's the other question that I have with this. Like, uh, So, you mentioned that the first 45 minutes of TV of The Bachelor that we saw this week did not feature The Bachelor right. in any real way. Why? Do you know what I mean? Like, why mm. are we concentrating on this manufactured drama that doesn't exist? Drama that is, like, literally much ado about nothing. Like, it's an attempt to create or to find drama that isn't there. You we know, could, if, you, if yeah. you ask enough times, like, are you going to start drama, does that count as drama? Because that's what the show is trying to do in this episode. Exactly, you know? It's sort of like... um 
it's the pre-fight almost that the show is mm. trying to dramatize and we get an actual fight in the next episode which sure. is dramatic and is interesting for reasons that we'll get to yes but this like it's the kieran and matt of it all being mm. like you want to go do you want to go <laughs> between be roxy coming. and ariba or whatever you know and the do you want to go is not really going right yeah yeah so my question is what's lucky doing during all of this time and why aren't we being shown any of it yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, you know, he's there, he's around, and I think that just whatever little conversations he's probably having with the people that we assume are frontrunners are kind of just not being shown because, I don't know, maybe they're not that interesting. Maybe, you know, I, there's a temptation to focus on the dramatic elements of the show in the earlier weeks, maybe particularly given that a lot of what's coming will likely be more focused on the actual relationships because it's harder to do oh, these like group so. date fights and stuff over zoom i imagine i bet they're gonna like i mean i can't wait to see them try to do that right right i think that's going to be really interesting but at the same time i just think like for the development of the narrative we're going to have more investment in the drama if there is more romance at stake yeah and for that to happen, we need to believe in The Bachelor and we need to know more than he was on Survivor and he likes extreme sports. I've just figured out a great group date for them to do online. Is it like an online role-playing Survivor? I was going to say it's like World of Warcraft or Fuck something. Fuck yeah. I like, think that would be fun. If they fully leaned in and were like, okay, I don't know, like let's say it's like uh, uh, Fort- Fortnite? Yeah, sure. Or what's a team one though? Like Fortnite's a huge team one. Oh, wait, no, team? Team, team. Yeah, uh, sure. Call of Duty's fine. Where it's like, you get to see if one of them is just like, you know, standing around, like, you know, it, and then you, <laughs> you have the group dynamic of like, you know, Laura's just camping in the enemy's, like, I don't know. Right, right. And they're like, we're not going to do anything to her. Right, right. This is uh, fun. Yeah, <laughs> it won't be that, though. It'll be like them all on different Zoom calls being like, okay, uh... Put your hand up if you, you know, it'll be like the same exact like truth or dare sort of like things that we have in the chess game and all that kind of stuff. I want the Lizzie McGuire of it all. Like I want to see Lizzie, Miranda and Gordo all split screen on the TV having a chat. And Mm. then I want to see one of them leave the conversation. And then I want to see the two women talk about what's just happened with them. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I I think think that's more likely what we'll say. I think lots of opportunity here for drama and for people to actually weigh in in real real time do you know what i mean yeah 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 totally but to get back to the point i don't understand what it is about the show that means that we can't invest in Lockie. and it's not just because he likes extreme sports and i am someone who doesn't like extreme sports sure we're not being given any reason other than the fact that he's the bachelor to believe that he's any good yeah it's a great point I think it's sometimes um, that that is put on the back burner by the show because they're like, well, we're the Bachelor. We're doing we're doing Bachelor. It's, it's stuff. the Bachelor. It's the Bachelor. Yeah. This man's the Bachelor. Um, That's not reason think... enough. Give me a reason to invest in him. Yeah, it requires I need him to a bit be convincing. More... Right. Um, are you convinced by this single date? Let's talk about it. Um, Osha brings a date card for Arena. It's a, uh, and there's also a mysterious pink box, which contains something special that she'll have to wear on the date. We don't see her put it on or anything like that. I think it's a missed opportunity. 
Also, the date card reads, quote, I want a relationship like a vintage wine. Will we get better with age? Can you explain what the correlation is between that and the fencing date that we're about to see? No. I don't get it. The no. only thing the only thing that I can think is that the producers are hoping that this date has gotten better with age. Since the exact same date... <laughs> Uh, you pointed this out on Twitter. Um, the exact same date happened two years ago on Ali Ogin's season of The Bachelorette down to the same fencing instructor. Right, right. And we learn that they are here doing this with a lot of their things. We see a mud bath later and it's the same bath that mm. was used in two previous seasons of The Bachelor. Literally, they're getting much better value, like cost per right. wear of this bathtub as we go along and maybe we get cost per use with the instructor. Do we have him on a retainer? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> They've got a they got a group on last time. <laughs> Whatever. Um but yeah, this date, you know, I don't know. It plays out the same way. They they say all the same jokes about poking each other, um, looking like a beekeeper, whatever. I think the best bit of this date is the sound effects which are like hilariously close to the mic. I don't know if you noticed yeah. this. They don't line up with the action that's happening on screen. So it sounds like if you were watching it without looking, either they're like wielding huge battle axes and they're like <laughs> swinging them at each other, or they're doing some kind of MasterChef challenge where the mystery box ingredient is just a microphone and they have to like <laughs> chop it. <laughs> the mystery box ingredient is an ASMR YouTuber. Right. <laughs> yeah, totally. Then we cut back. I wasn't paying much attention to this chat that happens between Juliet, Ariba, Christina, and Caitlin that happened at this point. Ariba says, trust me, if anyone comes to get us or attack us or whatever, we are like a pack of wolves. People better watch out because we're stronger than ever. So what I like about this is that these are four women who have each other's backs and that they're like, okay, cool. Well, we can see what's going on over there and we want no part of it because you can see that there is drama between... Uh, party A and Party B being, you know, Roxy and Ariba Juliet. Okay. So Cardi B? A... Hey. I don't think Cardi B's involved. <laughs> <laughs> so what I don't like about it is the idea behind forming an alliance is that you want to be in the majority alliance. An alliance sure, of true. four in a house of 17 is nothing. It only sets you up to incur the wrath of the thirteen. Right, that's true. You can I get think they're out, thinking babes. about every single one of them as individual people, or perhaps just the one or two of them that they're concerned with as individual people, rather than the potential numbers threat that they pose. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. But like, it's like you know, stronger together are there for that. But also, uh, we got to bring some people into our faction over here. I feel true. like there's room to expand the group. Yeah, that's true. I also, I guess I want to talk about this moment on a structural level, just because I think it, it represents something that's interesting in the, in the way that this show is put together. Yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that they just happen to be saying all this like very villainous stuff within very clear view of cameras that are set up to catch them. Right. Totally. So this feels to me like something that I've heard to, uh, I've heard referred to as girl chat, um, which seems to be pretty prevalent in the US version of the show. I'm not sure exactly how often it happens here. You know, we've talked to people who have been on the show who talk about like, you know, there's not that many moments where they're like told to say anything or or whatever. But, you know, essentially what, what this thing is, is like, it's a staged conversation. It's not scripted, obviously, um, but it, it takes place between contestants who are seated in an open arrangement and 
you know, the key point of difference is that it's not a natural conversation that's caught by like a zoomed in, maybe unseen camera. They're like cheated out so that you can see everyone. Maybe the scene is even like lit specifically for this girl chat to happen. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a set topic or maybe it's like, you know, there's a question that's posed to the group and yep. then we want to see everybody's reaction to it, you know? I think that that's totally fair and I think that that's what we're seeing here and it's pretty standard batchy fair. I feel like as we go back and look at the seasons of The Australian Bachelor in particular, there will be more and more instances as we go along of being able to pick this out. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, this is a natural part of of reality TV and I have no questions about its inclusion, but Mm. I assume context, context being that they've been told, hey, we're all hanging out, it's all good, the cameras are just going to be on and we want you to talk about your position versus the other girls in the house. Right. I think that's that's pretty much what we're given here. I get the impression that maybe it's something that you volunteer for early on in the show to sort of ensure a bit of screen time. Um, and like maybe if you're still around a little bit later in the show or if it feels like they've got a pretty good handle on what your archetype is or whatever, maybe it's a little bit less optional. Maybe it's a bit more like, you know, there are not as many girls to go around. Like, Because I think I remember seeing it a lot in the late, late stages of the show where maybe there's four women left or whatever and they're all like man it sure is crazy being the only four women left on the show <laughs> right we need to you to do a bit of scene setting and heavy lifting for us yeah 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 well i don't know I, it's not it's not even really worth talking about in the sense that just like that's how you produce you know like that's yes. that's how you ensure that you will have content to put on the television this is and the narrative you... construction of a tv show you're absolutely right yeah and if it starts feeling a little bit scripted or you know not scripted but if it's you know contrived if, yeah, if it feels a little contrived, you would hope that within a minute or two, these people who are reactive and have big personalities and stuff will branch out and say something unexpected or something like that. That'll Find just... a way to make it their own. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think that's what's happening here. You know, like I, I feel like we're seeing people who are good at being on TV, being Ariba in particular, but also we've seen good TV from Juliet. And we've also so seen good TV from Caitlin. Yeah. You know, and I think Christina's doing a pretty good job too. I feel like I couldn't tell what's happening with Christina, but I am open to the fact that maybe I just didn't see her. Of course, I was concentrating on the bigger voices. I think she's had some good lines, but yeah, right. a little bit tucked in there. I also want to say structurally, I think this scene should have been set in the previous episode, right? Like we know that this show will cut and chop and change and have no problem with doing whatever to establish context. Yeah. By the point that this conversation happens, I already know that these four women are a group. Right. That's true. There's nothing that's new that's presented to me here. You know, like after they make up, that's when I then want to see the four of them get together and say, okay, we're a wolf pack. We're stronger than ever. You're Ed Helms. I'm Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great point because, yeah, that's probably the reason why I was tuning out a little bit here and starting to think about the structure of the show and how it's being put together as opposed to what it means for these people and the characters and the storylines because it's kind of already understood. We know this. Yeah. No one's questioning it. Whether it's like they're stretching to fill time or whether it's just like maybe slightly misplaced or jumbled up in the story. Um, yeah, you're right. It doesn't really add any extra layers here. You can tell There's not even effective... anything particularly funny happening or anything either. Right. You can tell a more effective story by putting this earlier and establishing the context that is to come. But at this point, it's, it's a moot point. 
Yeah, it's a great call. So we cut back to Arena's single date, and now there's a different type of swordplay going on. Lockie, who has opened exactly one bottle of champagne in his life, has now been trusted with sabering a bottle open for them to enjoy. And he gives the bottle a suggestive little shake and he chuckles and he says like, oh, the bottle's all wet and stuff while he's holding a huge, dangerous, sharp sword. This is this scene was so confusing to me. And it also <laughs> like it makes the date card even more like troublesome. Right. You think about like uh, we want to age like a fine wine. Instead, we've got a champagne uh-huh. or a Prosecco. I don't know. And we're cutting it open with a knife. <laughs> exactly. None of this makes sense. No. Uh, it's almost like that was a date card that they were setting up for something else. And then like, you know, by the time shooting came, it fell through and they just had to do this instead. Right, right. We had to roll with something else because the re- reactions were organic. Yes. Although the like the sword or knife or whatever you want to call it did have their names like burned into it or something. Yeah, engraved. Right. Very odd. Um, Talk me through this. Well, Irina says she's usually a little bit guarded in relationships. She says she's never opened herself up um, fully to somebody before. And, you know, she doesn't get a chance to listen to her heart that often. And then she grabs the sword and she carves a huge hole in her torso. She starts grabbing handful after handful of her own guts and her heart and hands them over to Lockie. <laughs> yeah. Are we guarded or are we unguarded? <laughs> That's true. You know, it's it's a little bit gross, but you got to respect the conviction, I think. Good for her. Sure. Um, she also talks about how her parents met on a holiday, and after 10 days, her dad proposed. Cute. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just, so somehow they're still together, right? Yep. And that's wonderful, and I'm very happy for them. But Irina, Irina... I don't know. Um, She's taken this as her blueprint, I think. And I think that is a very uh, risky thing to form. I mean, I don't know. Maybe her life's going to be a lot more successful than mine. There's no reason why I should be an expert in this field or anything. Right. But I'm like, you shouldn't expect that that's going to be a pattern, right? Well, if that is what you think that your pattern should be, you need to go unmarried at first sight. You're on the wrong show. (laughs) That's true. That's it. That is true. The, The time between... Uh, meeting the bachelor and marrying the bachelor is actually too long for Irina. Here's the other thing: we know that Lockie has flagged that he's willing to get down on one knee at the end of this. Sure, yeah. Irina's entering this with the idea that her parents met and got engaged after mm. ten days. This is not the same experience, but you can see how it kind of might be a similar experience. Totally. Are we foreshadowing? Question mark. I think Irina is pulling. Firmly into front runner territory for sure in these in these couple of episodes. Um, she says that she only wants to get married once and wants to get it right the first time, which to me seems to be like completely at at, at odds with this expectation. It's like maybe you should not tempt fate and maybe not get engaged ten days after meeting somebody. <laughs> I don't know. There's, I mean, there's a certain amount of me that wants to believe that when you know, you know. However, sure. there's um, there's risk mitigation that is at stake here, and we've seen it work out seldom, but we've seen it work mm. out on this show. Maybe this is as good as she's going to get. I don't think it's a fun angle for me to have to be a skeptic about this, you know? I don't no. think that, that we stand to gain anything, but I'm also just like, 
my angle, I think throughout the history of this podcast has always been like wanting to protect the people on the show <laughs> from like the serious psychological effects that it potentially poses, right? Yes, yes. So I'm just like, hold your horses, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, let's, I mean, you know, make the mistake if you want to, but just like... Don't, don't fence them in. That's all I'm saying. Don't fence them in, Max. <laughs> um, Lockie says, everything with Irina is simple, and that's how I want to live my life. Like, Really? Maybe don't run an adventure business in a foreign country where you encourage people to risk their lives on a daily basis. That sounds stressful. Maybe don't fucking freebase jump off buildings. Mm. I mean, on one level, I guess that's simple, but you would have to think there's a lot of like straps and harnesses and stuff <laughs> to think about. You either die or you don't. Yeah. It's very true. simple. Mm. Uh, anyway, Lucky gives her a rose. They have a little kiss. Um, it's not one of his worst ones. I think he doesn't seem like a great kisser to me. Maybe it's the like beard moustache situation that's just obscuring my the judgment. The kiss with Caitlin coming up oh, was boy. not my favourite. No. Yeah, that's the thing. This is like, you know, I didn't love it, but it's like, it's it gets a lot worse. That's the classic Grandpa Simpson mule leaving an apple. <laughs> totally. Well, that's it for that episode. But before we jump into The Bachelor, whatever, uh, <laughs> we, have a, we have a little something to talk about. Listeners, this episode is brought to you by Mask. Jeeves, presenting sponsor for this week of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Savy, it's a pandemic. If you're going outside, mask up. That's what I'm here to tell you to do. And what better way to do it than with one of these beautiful and, if I can say, fairly inexpensive masks. True. Uh, This is a company that is, they're people who listen to our podcast, which is very cool. Um, They are hand-making these beautiful masks uh, in Melbourne. And um, there are tons of gorgeous designs to choose from. They're all on their Instagram page. You'll find something you like. I know me and Max both did. We've got masks coming to us and we're very excited about it because I have not left the house in months. (laughs) (laughs) Because here's the thing. Okay, you can wear like your disposable, like go down to Mita 10 and get like a 10 pack of like medical grade masks or whatever. And like you will be doing fine, but you're going to look like a basic bitch. (laughs) You're going to look like you think the pandemic is going to end in the next couple of weeks. And you're going to think you're going to look like you don't care what you look like. This but, is it. You've got to be prepared for the future. Yes. And you can have a reusable mask um, that looks great and is not going to cost the environment too much. It's not going to cost you too much. Uh, and perhaps most importantly, is a company with a cool name and has a cool jingle. <laughs> Which if there's one thing that I, Xavier <laughs> stand for, it's a good jingle. That's it. There's so many prints to choose from. Listeners, you can get them at Mask Jeeves, presenting sponsor for this episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. You gotta wear a mask to save some lives, or even just to avoid a fine. For all your face covering needs, don't forget to Mask Jeeves. You gotta wear a mask, so don't delay, or listen to what the conspiracies say. For all your face covering needs. 
Evie, when uh, when, I, when me and uh, girlfriend of the show, Evie Hillier, were looking at Mask Jeeves to try and pick out some masks, she was like, you should ask them specifically to make a really big one for your big fat enormous <laughs> head. <laughs> so I'm really excited that I will get to give a testimonial when this thing arrives. <laughs> I can say <laughs> it fits. There's so many nice prints. Uh, I like the uh, Lisa Simpson one. I think that's cool. Personally, there's a beautiful uh, Keith Haring one. I'm going with um, the Scar one. I think the black and white check marks. I thought you might. <laughs> I really did. Um, let's dive into. <laughs> Takes me a minute to set up the little. <laughs> I've got to turn two knobs. The Bachelor Australia season eight episode six. What was that? That was a siren going past, but I think it got caught on the on the little this it thing. It definitely did. Okay, good. Love it. Woo! Wait. Woo, 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 woo. Nina, Nina. Irina reveals to the women that she got to keep the sword with their names engraved on it, which is fucking cool as hell. Yeah, put that on the mantle. Yeah. Or She's don't. Like, Sleeping with it on her pillow, which is <laughs> incredible. Uh, Lockie rocks up and reveals that there's a bit of a surprise waiting for them. And they are led outside to a big chessboard where it's revealed that they're going to be playing... They're going to play chess. <laughs> what? What did my you fa- just do to me? It's my favorite jingle I've ever done. <laughs> did, you you familiar ma- with- did, you, did you make that? I mean, are you familiar with Justin Bieber's Christmas album? No. <laughs> but I, I was about I to say, that. those are some beautiful Christmas chords. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... Oh, it was chestnut toasting toasting on open fire. Yeah. That's what it was. My boy, of course. Ah, that's great. Because these people in this show are a bunch of chestnuts. Yeah, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. This is also where, out of nowhere, Gemma reveals herself as the true MVP and the true successor to the throne of, excuse me, but what the fuck did she just say now that Zoe Claire's gone? So, for some context, Gemma, here's what we know about her. Mm-hmm. Hasn't been on the show. <laughs> Back Don't know that she exists. Mm-hmm. We learn that she uh, has competed for Miss Australia. She's from the Gold Coast. All of a sudden, she's everywhere in this episode, and it's because mm-hmm. there's just some golden stuff in here. Lockie takes us out the front, and we see a big chest board. So we assume that we're playing human chest. <laughs> human Chest. So, okay, like, it's kind of, it's pretty, like, lowest common denominator type of humor for reality TV, I think, to, like, make fun of people's pronunciation, right? This is pretty well established. Yes. There's a somewhat questionable history of, like, singling out people who don't speak English as a first language or maybe correcting people for only having read a word instead of having heard it out loud or something. I simply love that this is neither of those things. It's great. <laughs> um, charitably, I want to say maybe this is an, te- an attempt 
from Gemma to have a, like a thing that sets her apart. You know, she's decided that this will be like a character trait or something. I'm shaking my head. Well, okay, so maybe she's like setting up an expectation that she can then subvert later on with some acts of intelligence or wisdom, right? Oh boy. Or maybe she's kind of just a bit of a dummy, which is okay. Oh yeah, I think maybe she just doesn't know how to what chess is. I think that's fine. I think, and I also think, like, the way that she plays this with so much, like, positivity and naivety, it's very winning. I think it's just fun. Like, Fuck it's yeah. just, like, a pure, fun and nice moment in a, a, an episode or a season that has not really had that many of those. Gemma shows an ability to laugh at herself when she learns that she's thought this thing was called this for this right. entire time. She but takes actually it really it's called well. the other thing. It's yeah. great, you know? Yeah. And for that reason, I think we're all brought on board and we're all able to laugh at it together because she's laughing at herself. Right, and I didn't feel like I was laughing at her. Like, I don't think she's a fucking idiot. It felt like um, we were laughing along with her. Right, exactly. So, the human chest is all about compatibility. <laughs> I've always said that. Um, so, there's like a bunch of yes or no questions or maybe they're like true or false questions or maybe they're like hot or not questions. As usual with this type of thing, we skip all of it instead of like using it as an opportunity to learn anything about any of the people on the show. It's kind of just B-roll for them to play like voiceover of Ariba and Roxy who are like scheming and telling each other to watch their backs and all that kind of stuff. Did you get much out of this really? I think that what I learned was that Ariba was watching Roxy's back. Like, got your back, girl. You know, <laughs> that's I think that's what came out of it for me. <laughs> it's a really nice moment. The other one that um, I thought was interesting was the, um, it, it could become the next, do you wash below your knees in the shower, which is, um, do you wear <laughs> socks to bed? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Well, I think what's what's interesting about that is that we see Lockie change his answer. Yeah. So it seems to me like Lockie is trying to get Gemma alone for some alone time here. Right. You know, like it seems like... Gemma's on this date, maybe they haven't spent a lot of time together, she seems to be doing well, and he's like, you know what, maybe we can explore it. Yeah, and it's also, it kind of comes down to Roxy and Gemma, and and the the thing hinges on this socks-to-bed situation, which sends Roxy to the back of the line, and means that Gemma gets it. So maybe it's also just like, I don't, I'm not saying he doesn't want to spend more time with Roxy, but it's also like... He could be mitigating the feelings of the other women and being like, I have been spending a bit too much fucking time with Roxy lately. Sure. Seems sure. to be causing some problems. Um, yeah, it's another one of these things where I'm like, it would be cool if there had been any kind of foreshadowing or any setup that there's anything between Gemma. Or, you know, if we even knew what The Bachelor's fucking feelings about her were. Before yeah, this. I think the setup was like, all of a sudden we got two confessionals from Gemma leading right. up to the date. And it's like, who is this woman? And then you're like, oh, of course she wins. Sometimes that's all it takes or or even sometimes that's all they can do. Like you see it in a rose ceremony. Like when we found out Zoe Claire was going to, you know, you, I could tell that Zoe Claire was about to be eliminated because there are two or three shots of her standing on the bleachers leading up to the last few roses being handed out. And I'm like, oh, well, we haven't, you know, there are a lot of people on the show right now who I don't know anything about who are not in shots right now, reminding you that they're there so that you can understand that they're leaving. Right, exactly. And what was weird about that was the scene where Zoe Clear bent down and started picking her guts out. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That was pretty normal. You see that mm. almost every season. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, when Gemma wins, Roxy says, of course she wins. She's a pageant queen and she's used to having a crown on her head. It's a bit of a stretch, I think. I Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of um vitriol from Roxy in this episode that we're going to get to. Mm. And the distinction that I would like to draw, first and foremost, is that the show is presenting Ariba as like the quote-unquote villain, or this group of women, the wolf pack, as the villains of the season. But what we're hearing from these women is not necessarily a bunch of like targeted, directed meanness, either in confessional or to the faces of the other women. Hmm. But we are hearing that from Roxy. And so it's sort of like, who's the real villain here? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, somebody like Ariba, who a lot of her, like, quote unquote, villainous traits are kind of being like, that, like, that obviously unfair thing is unfair. You know? The, the fact that this person is getting extra time, you know, like mechanically the way that this is, you know, being handled is favoring some people over other people, which on its face is completely true. Right. And it's built into the crust. It's baked. <laughs> Why do I keep saying that phrase? I don't, I don't even know. know. <laughs> it's part of how the show works. Yes. It's in the recipe for it's the crust. It's crusty. <laughs> uh... But yeah, with Roxy, it's a little bit more like, this person's bad for this reason. Right. You know, and it's often like, this person's bad because of something that they can't change about themselves. Sure. Or something to do with where they're from or who they are. And it's sort of like, you're responding to the person themselves in yeah. con- in the context of the situation or not. And the way that it's coming across is, is much worse arguably yeah. than what we see from any of the the other women who are engaged in these types of, of conflict or pseudo conflict yes um more on the fucking cocktail party when it starts but i just want to finish off with with this Gemma stuff because it's fucking great it's the best part of the episode Gemma, she continues saying some quite interesting things um they play the like check out this idiot music and like they pump up the like cricket sound effects in the background um, Never a not, good sign Not like people yelling like how's that and stuff You know like the <laughs> Sound effects um, Gemma says that she has a permanent dent in her head From wearing a crown in her pageant days She says quote I'm a little bit like an onion There's many layers and you've got to peel back the layers To be able to get back uh, to, to be able to get to know me Is that I, What does she think about what we what we do with onions You know like <laughs> When you peel back the layers of an onion, yeah. are you then like, hello, onion, how are you? <laughs> right. I finally understand this onion. <laughs> this now is that not... The, oh. Like, <laughs> now that the skin is gone and, like, that weird outer layer that sometimes gets a bit soggy from being in the fridge, if you put it in the fridge, we're just down to the real onion on the inside. Delicious, mm. delicious onion. If it's a Spanish onion, it's the bit that's, like, white and bitter and, like, not as tasty. You know what I'm talking about. Veg chat here on the Bachelor of Hearts <laughs> podcast. Um, Lockie says something about base jumping and Gemma says space jumping a couple of times. I'm not, like, blown away by chemistry or anything like that. No. You know, which is often the thing that I like the most about this show. But this is just too funny. Like, it's just pure joy. 
for me. It's to watch. really funny and it's also great exposition, you know? Like we're getting to know more about Gemma, even if it is like we're learning that they're not compatible. At least yeah. what we're seeing is the fundamental thing of the bachelor having an interaction with the woman and right. the show using that to tell a story. And it takes two and a half minutes of screen time or something like that, you know? Right. It feels like so much of this show should be set up to make these types of things happen. Yes. And it should be, you know, because obviously the plot of the show is not just a man is trying to find love and find who he's compatible with, with all these people, right? Yeah. The plot of the show is everything else that happens along the way. But I think it's such a fair criticism of this season in particular to say that none of that stuff is being prioritized. None of the like actual sort of thrust of the show is being prioritized. All the other stuff is being favored. Give me more space jumping. Give me more rapping penguin. Yeah. You know, give me more arena. Give me more of the interaction between Lockie and Bella. I want to see that kind of stuff because ultimately the drama that they're trying to manufacture either flatly doesn't exist or is much of a muchness. Right. And it's a criticism that I have of this show so often, which is that, and I know they can't necessarily control all of this, but it doesn't feel like the consequences are lining up with the actual content. You know what I mean? Like we get to a rose ceremony and he says goodbye to like Zoe Claire, who hasn't been on screen for a few weeks. Right. You know, and I'm sure there's, you know, that he's not going to end up with her from the moment she kind of arrives, but I wish there was some reason like you know either send her home when she does the big bad thing and you know makes a scene at the cocktail party or whatever the fuck or like yeah i don't know yeah yeah i understand that the show is not necessarily in control of it too but at the same time what i need from the show in that moment is to if you're going to manufacture some drama Mm. make it drama to do with zoe claire yeah. You know, like, give me a reason to understand that this person is still relevant so that when they leave, it's impactful. Yes. Can you imagine a world in which The Bachelor, when he is not handing a rose out to someone, has to give a reason? Because, like, that would be very dramatic. It yes. would be uncomfortable and it would be tense and it would be, you know, because a lot of the time maybe it would be like, I don't really like your hair. Oh, okay. That's a bad example. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, like (laughs) I am like, I am forced to believe the worst about the bachelor's or bachelorette's decision-making process. If given nothing else to go off, right? Somebody like Claire who completely didn't register on this episode. I'm sorry. On 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 this season. Um, I don't know why he sent her home. I guess they haven't had a chance to talk, although there are other people that he hasn't had a chance to talk to either. Mm. It would be really sick and not take too much time and not take too much effort for him to have to say one sentence, you know? And we see it later on in the season when The Bachelor starts to develop feelings for these women and he has to send them home and he's like, oh, can I have a chat to you outside or whatever? Right, they make a bit more time for it later on. And that is impactful, I think. I think that's interesting drama and when you see it and it plays out in a way where the the woman is hurt or the man is hurt and they say something ridiculous, that's exposition, that's drama, that's narrative, that's the yeah. good stuff. For totally. Lockie to be able to say, look, Zoe Claire, I'm sorry, I wasn't feeling it. Sorry, Claire... I had, you know, I thought it was less confusing this way. Yeah, exactly. 
that's fine. And if I that's all that. it is, then like I don't think anyone's really gonna blame him. Like, no, and you can choose to include it or not to include it. But being able to give that amount, oh, that would that would vastly improve the show, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Um, they should put us in charge. I've been saying it for years. Let's talk about this cocktail party. Christ. <laughs> can you tell I've been avoiding talking about it? Yes. What a mess. Um, the cocktail party begins 15 minutes into this episode. Um, the main event or the thing that seems to kickstart things is Charlie's little surprise, quote, special gesture um, for Lockie. Um, should we talk about Charlie? She's been like bubbling in the background a little bit. I like Charlie. Yeah, me too. I think she's cool. We're barely seeing her, honestly, but she's been popping in now and then for a few confessionals and that kind of thing. I think she seems fun. Charlie had a great addition to the lexicon in Swear on My Eyebrows. Yes. She has proved to be a good narrator. Mm-hmm. And, she... and she was a good player on the group date, the American football one. Yep, we saw that too. And she now is taking matters into her own hands. And I kind of respect that. And for the drama to manifest in the way that it does at this cocktail party, she does a great job of largely avoiding it. Totally. Yeah. I think this is a good strategy of just being like, I'm just going to do something. And like, I don't know. It doesn't really fall back on her that much. That's right. I mean, maybe we hear in confessional about, oh, this is taking up so much time and this is unfair and Mm. all that kind of stuff, which is the kind of stuff that, you know, you and I look at the structure of the show and go, yes, of course, it is designed to be this way and these complaints are legitimate. But at the same time, it almost seems like the consequences of that were minimal as compared to the other stuff that happens. Right. So we're talking around it, but she, yeah, she brings out, she single-handedly organized a mud bath. Um, As you said, it's the same like big copper tub that they use uh, on Richie's season for the chocolate bath. And I think there's a bubble bath sometime in between. Eleanor. That's right. Yeah. Um, Before any of the other women get a chance to talk to him as well. Like she's just like, Hey, come here. I got something to do. Yeah. And they fucking strip down and they get real messy uh, in an in the moment, Ariva says, quote, mud baths should not be at the cocktail party. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, we've all read the rules. <laughs> I'd like to cite a violation of section C. <laughs> the uh, Bachelor Charter. <laughs> and it's absolutely fucking gross. I simply love it. I can't get enough. Lockie's wearing these like, I want to say off beige undies. Is that a color? I thought they were gray. I don't know. Maybe it's like he's been wearing them all night or something. I don't mm, know. I don't huge Bond spunk on here as well. True that. That's a great point. It's not going to be tradey. <laughs> <laughs> um, for some reason, they keep saying that the mud is really warm. I guess maybe that's better than having it be cold. I guess. I don't know. Like there's like these really squishy sound effects. It's really gross. It's like a Stuart Gordon movie. <laughs> they start like mushing it all over each other and like into each other's hair. It's so good. Yeah, it's really artistic. Yeah. Yeah. There's... And just the commitment as well of being like, Hey, I was thinking I might put it in your hair and you can put it in my hair as well. It's like And then we're gonna come back looking a million bucks. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, the complaints are like that they've been in the, the tub for an hour or something. My guess is that they were in that tub for about 10 minutes. And then there was an hour of them like blow drying and applying and makeup. makeup and yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just love it. It's such a killer move. Yeah. And to like touch on Ariba's point, 
My baths probably shouldn't be at the cocktail party. Nah, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's probably a better time. But when else are you going to do it? You know? Yeah. It's like, it's like handing the bachelor a note, you know, at, at the cocktail party. It's like you have to take the opportunity that you have. It's just like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, there are so many things. Like, name your inanimate. Uh, a chihuahua should not be at the cocktail party. Hey, I mean, that's going a little bit too far. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was it? Like, if next episode, let's pick one of the random cast of characters. Let's say Belle. Belle is like, Lockie, I got you a puppy. <laughs> hey, I've got a special surprise for you. Come over here. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> He's got four legs. And he loves Pedigree Pal. <laughs> Weaving some Spong Con. See, we yeah, fixed the show. Yeah, totally. Um, meanwhile, Caitlin declares her intention to try and kiss Lockie at the cocktail party, which is great. <laughs> I love this. I love that she's talking to the other girls about it as well. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, the yeah. girl in the pink needs a smooch. And someone named Marg, who has barely been on the show, says in an in the moment interview, I hear rumors that Caitlin wants to kiss Lockie. Like, Marg, <laughs> what show do you think you're on? That is what we're doing here. <laughs> I'm also really interested in Caitlin saying that she needs a mint and then she can't find a mint, so she says she puts toothpaste in her mouth. Is it just like sitting in there? Because she mentions it again like a minute or two later. She's like, oh yeah, I've got toothpaste in my mouth. Like, I don't really know, but I'm interested in this as a strategy. Is that a thing? I've never done it before. I've certainly done the thing where, like, you're sleeping over at someone at someone's house. You don't have a toothbrush, so you like. Oh yeah, you'll do the, a little rub yeah, the finger with, with finger the toothpaste. Yeah, yeah. This is entirely different. <laughs> I don't know angle. who is like. I'm gonna squelch some into my mouth. <laughs> I'm just gonna let it sit under the tongue and see what happens. You can tell because they've had uh, toothpaste sponsors in the past, right? Right. Either they have some kind of surplus of toothpaste and she's just like, well, I mean, there's fucking boxes and boxes of it. <laughs> or there's not enough, like, tooth stuff anymore, you know? Uh-huh. They used to have a toothpaste sponsorship. That's gone away. And now they're like, fuck, we don't have brushes. We don't have mints. Like, you're just going to have to like fend for extra, yourself. Wrigley's Extra Gum was one of the sponsors of this show True. for such a long time. True. I forgot about that. Uh... Roxy in In The Moment says, Caitlin is trying to get Lockie's attention. And I was just like, haha, hold up. We're not at a titty bar, girl. You're at the wrong venue. Can we not? Yeah. Can we not do this like slut shamey, like seemingly anti-sex worker type of stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that that in and of itself is a thing that needs to be represented. Right. You know? Um, and then... There's the side of it that's also like you're making fun of someone for the way that she looks, and that's also bad. Yes, and it's also like Caitlin's trying to get Lockie's attention. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, yeah. It's what? like it, it to touch on what Marg said as well. It's sort of like the cameraman has indicated that he would like to film the episode. Right, exactly. Yeah, the lighting person is holding a light and plugging it in. <laughs> I'm shocked by this information. Scandal. Of course, Caitlin's trying to get Lockie's attention. So are you. Yeah. Osha Ginsburg is looking very good in a suit. 
so Caitlin gets a moment with Lockie. We barely see it, but they do have this tiny little micro peck. And it's on screen for probably less than a second. And then they also just cut to a shot of like from behind Lockie where you can't like, because he's huge, right? Which we don't talk about enough. But Caitlin is completely obscured by him. This is an obstacle to filming. Right. Like, the shot of the kiss doesn't last very long, but we do get two different angles of it. Yeah. And it's so weird because one angle is him just, like, grabbing her head, mm-hmm. and the other angle is entirely his head. So yeah. what we see is, like, most of his hand in amongst a bush of blonde hair, <laughs> and then also just, like, the back of him as right. he's holding her close. It's a very physical demonstration, but none of it registers to me as, like, a, a, an anything on the kiss scale. There's some very weird cinematography in these couple of episodes. I think I, I screenshotted a few things um, just because, I don't know. I don't know why it occurred to me. It, it probably, like, stands to show that I was not really connecting with these episodes in the way that I often uh, do, or this season is not working on me, on me in the correct way. But I was like, there's just a lot of stuff in the way of the camera this time around. Oh, literally. Like, during Juliet's one-on-one time with Lockie in the first episode. Yeah. The llama just walks into shot. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. And they're doing, like, it's a technique, right? They're doing some, like, rack focus stuff where it's, like, you're looking at a group of people who are in the background and maybe they are looking over at people who are in the foreground. So they will, you know, at the start of the shot, they'll focus on the people in the background and then they'll change and focus on the people at the front of the shot or whatever. But then there's also all these instances of just like, for some reason, the only shot they could get of this scene is like one where the waiter or the like drink person is just like walking directly in shot, looking at the camera, picking up a glass and then walking past. Yeah. And pot kettle, Roxy, to be talking about rack focus, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Um, Roxy notices the micro peck that takes place and she calls Caitlin out on it saying, that's classless. You don't do that at a cocktail party. And then she says to someone else, I'm sorry, but she's Gold Coast trash. And then in the moment she says, she thinks she's top shit. She's a goddamn Malibu Barbie. Uh, I don't, I don't like any of it. No. And it does get worse. Um, but first, Lockie grabs Arena for some extra time, despite the fact that she already has a rose. Uh, and then we see Roxy walk off crying. And, you know, Arena and Lockie share this fairly uninteresting moment together on a batchy couch. She says these sort of diplomatic things, I guess, where she's like, I'm, focus on, I'm focusing on you and our time together. I know how I feel about you and having that date with you is just the best thing ever. And then she like plucks an eyelash off his face and he makes a wish. I thought this was cute. You know, it's fine. I had a lot, like, I felt like this is the romantic stuff that we come here for a little bit, you know? Like, I, I thought that watching the two of them together and particularly getting to hear Lockie and Confessional talking about how he's falling more for Arena every day mm. Mm. was, it's like, that's, for me, is the kind of storytelling that brings the narrative forward and increases the stakes. I agree. I guess it's like, I feel like the foundation wasn't quite strong enough for me to really feel... Um, this bit but I, I what I should do is just get on board and you know because I believe that Irene is going to be sticking around till the very end um, you know I need to be content with the fact that we've gotten as much of the early stuff as we're probably going to get you know yeah so like the um, foundation of it being the scene where they put on 
full body suits and masks and swatted at each other with swords. <laughs> yeah. That's the foundation. Right. Which like I was, you know, happy with, but you know, it's it doesn't <sighs> it doesn't stink of like high romance to me. Right. What instead stinks of high romance is the way that they pipe in the music and the way that they tell you that this is romantic. Yeah, exactly. Um and then I also want to talk about this moment where Bella and Irina are sitting together and we hear one of them explaining in voiceover that they've formed an incredible friendship, but they're struggling with the fact that they're both here to fall in love with the same man. I love this. So I want to talk about, like, this is such an interesting dynamic that usually only really exists in the subtext of the show. I think it's rarely, like, made a surface level observation. And I think it's going to make for really interesting TV when these are in my opinion, the last two women left. Probably. Or at least, like, yeah. sticking around for a long time. Yeah. However, to me, it is an explicit failure of the show that there has been absolutely no effort to show any moments of friendship between these two women up until this. Yeah. At this point, we're seeing them call each other sister. You know, um, I think of it like, I love this angle. And yeah. I want to give credit to the show for the fact that this is something that really matters and that yeah. has its untrodden emotional territory for the show. Right. I'm really interested in that. And from a storytelling sense, I think that this plight of two women who love each other and also love the same man and want to get through that without it damaging them yeah. is incredibly fraught on the one hand, but is such rich storytelling because both of these women seem to be at this point, or at least the show is telling us that they are kind and emotionally aware and responsible with what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's maybe like the most interesting, it feels like this is one of the most interesting things that can happen like as part of the framework of the bachelor. Right. If they're telling us that this is a love triangle, which is, I think, what they're trying to tell us. Right. Complete the triangle. You're absolutely right. We need to see the arena Bella, but I think that we see it tonight for the first time, where they're consoling each other, Mm. they're cuddling each other. There probably has been room in previous episodes for us to see a little bit of that forming, and I don't know that we really did. We saw a little bit in episode five of Arena talking about how nice her relationship with Bella is, but... You know, as far as completing that triangle, they're Mm. taking steps towards it tonight. And if this is going to be the dominant storyline of the rest of the season, bring it on. I just like, I can't wait for that because I think that it is such a rich opportunity to tell stories that Mm. justify the emotional stakes of Lockie and Bella, Lockie and Arena and Bella and Arena. Bella says, I told myself I wasn't going to get upset, but like I genuinely have really strong feelings for him and he literally hasn't looked at me once tonight. And like telling Irina this after Irina and Lockie have just had a single day and time alone at the cocktail party is genuinely like the most interesting that happened, the most interesting thing that happened on the show this week, apart from maybe human chest. <laughs> um, but, you know, we hear Bella saying things like, we're the best friends in here. And... You know, Irina, she's like the older, better version of me. She's the upgraded Bella or whatever. I wish that I wasn't just kind of taking her word for it. I think like it would have taken 10% more effort. 
I, the the only thing the only reason I say that is because like the relationship between some other people in the cast is so firmly established. Yes. Like we have that that one too many scenes with the wolf pack, right? The villains, whatever, where we already know what their relationship is, and then we spend another few minutes just having them, you know, in an orchestrated scene, like sit down and say again what their relationship is. Yep. Why wasn't there a moment where we did that, but instead it was with... I mean, maybe that's what this scene was. I feel like that's what this scene kind of goes to show. But again, I feel like there probably is room for that kind of storytelling to be established a little bit earlier because we have Bella established as a real contender from episode two and arena from what three or four. Yeah. 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 I almost feel like maybe they would have been able to like pick this up and shoot something after the fact and insert it back in. If it weren't for the looming pandemic, you know, they're not in the mansion much longer after this point. Right. Um, But yeah, it's just another way where I'm like, this narrative is like, has so much potential and I just wish there was a bit more fertilizer on the garden. Well, particularly because we've seen so much um, success from telling a narrative of uh, telling a story of female friendship in paradise between Alicia and Renee as that played out. And the, the powerful dynamic that emerged of these two Mm. girls being like, no, fuck him. Fuck that dude. I guess I'm just yearning for that again. Yeah. And we, because we know the show's capable of it now. We never saw it before. And at this point, I want to see I want to see this story develop, and I'm excited for it to play out in a way that does justice to all parties. Totally, and I hope. It and does. I think come next week, or whenever it is that they pick this storyline back up again, I will be ready for it. Um, Marg, who wasn't on the show before, and now she is, I guess. Um, Marg seems to try and keep the peace with a group that includes Caitlin and Roxy. Uh, and a few others. She says, everyone's a little bit upset, but let's all try and chill out. You know, that's the sort of tone of it. And Caitlin says, well, don't group us together. Ugh. Which I don't know. <laughs> it's just could have let, left well enough alone, I reckon. But Roxy says, Caitlin, shut up, shut up, Caitlin. Um, and it suddenly starts getting very difficult to follow because everyone's pretty drunk. Um, Roxy says, you are trash 10 times to Caitlin. 10 times. Um, yeah, I counted. <laughs> um, she says, that's it. Your fake hair, your fake lashes, your fake tits, whatever. Fuck off. Uh, she leaves the room amidst a whirlwind of sensor beeps. Max, I absolutely couldn't make sense of it. Like, I really, at this point, I was just like, everyone needs a glass of water. Everyone needs like 10 minutes standing in a different room, just like getting some fresh air. So, yeah, I think what's happening here is that Marg is trying to calm everyone down in a situation in which... There has been tension bubbling over for a long time and Marg bears the brunt of Caitlin being like, no, I don't want to calm down. And I feel like there has been Mm. a lot of tension that has informed this and a lot of, particularly in the last episode, we saw Caitlin and Ariba being annoyed by the fact that Roxy is saying they're trying to start drama with me when we were Mm. shown no real evidence to, to suggest that that's the truth. Yeah. Yeah? And... What's happened is that Marg has made the unfortunate mistake, I think, of grouping uh, or assuming that Caitlin's feelings and Roxy's feelings are reasonable. Mm. And, you know? and that they're the same or 
that yes. they want to feel like they have this in common or that yes. they have anything in common, I guess. Right, exactly. And Caitlin's been like, no, fuck that, disinterested in this. So yeah. she's reacted to that in a way which, yes, is churlish, but is also, you can explain it away in uh, myriad ways, in the same way yeah. that you can explain the way that Roxy reacted to Caitlin holding a hand to her face and sure. saying, shut up, no, I don't want to talk to you, stop. And so these behaviours from Caitlin, I think, are, you know, uh, like, rude, but I also, ca- I kind of thought Caitlin was a fucking boss in this situation. Right. Like, I was kind of like, she rules in the way that she is not taking shit from the person who is being presented as the villain, the person who is being mean to her and being yeah. directly mean to her and saying things like that you're classless, you're trash, all right. this stuff, right? I t- I'm pr- like I'm sure she had it up to here and she was just like fuck no, fuck off, I'm not interested. And the mm. way that she diffused that situation or you know, incensed Roxy but held her cool through yeah. it all and was just like I don't care. You're not worth it to me. She doesn't think to so the level there of, for that. Yeah, trying to pull the same type of um, like body blows or whatever. I think there's a little bit of like um, physical signs of aggression or whatever with like the hand waving stuff or whatever. Yeah. Which like obviously it's a heated moment. Like we're getting out of control or whatever. Um, obviously it's not like a physical altercation or whatever. But like you you know you can understand why Roxy is responding to that part of it. Yep. Um, and that seems to be the part that that really. You know, I think when she's walking away and, and there's a maelstrom of um, beeps, you kind of hear her saying, like, oh, putting her hand up to me or whatever. Yeah. Um, Charlie in the moment says, honestly, it's as embarrassing as my regrowth after six weeks. Love this. Um, and I think that the core thing about this, like, dynamic and this, you know, the uh, difficulty that these women are having with each other is that I think it's not, it's about to absolutely not matter anymore. Right. You know, because we get to this rose ceremony and there's a bit of a bombshell. Um, But yeah, Osha says, two things that are vitally important in your quest to find love are compatibility and time. Now, while you can't really get more compatibility here, you can get more time. I hope you chose to use your time with Lockie to get to know him on a more intimate level. Famous last words. (laughs) It's a very weird speech from Osha. Yeah. uh, So this is... um the most Chris Harrison that we've heard, Osha. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's very like, I'm going to give you some life advice here. Right. I Maybe it's, maybe it's, there's some flexibility in, in the length of these episodes or something like that. For like, sure. They, they know that they can include, maybe Osha is doing shit like this every week and we just normally don't see it. And as always, listen to your heart. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, Lockie chooses for some inconceivable reason to send home Rosemary as well as Christina. I'm um, so upset about it. Yeah. I think I'm Rosemary really not happy. ruled. She was Me great too. TV in every opportunity that she got to be on TV. Yeah. And Including with <laughs> Carrie Ann Kennelly uh-huh. and Joe Hildebrand. Oh, dear, dear. But mm. the thing is, like, even when um, we were like, what's Rosemary's big surprise? And it turned out the surprise is that she's just very beautiful. Right. And that she and Lockie seem to, like, have... A nice time together. I, I thought they kind of clicked. Yeah. The only time where I was like, oh, he's not feeling it was at the end of that rap. And mm-hmm. instead of being like, oh my God, you were, you were actually funny and hilarious and so good. What he said to her was, and I don't know if we can get audio of this, but mm. I'll do my best impression here. He went, 
<clears throat> that's great. Yeah, he said, oh, that's great. You're too much. That is great. That is amazing. My God. Hmm. Pandering. Um, Lachlan. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, you know, I this is... I keep saying this, but it's like, I, I feel like it would be great if the outcome of these episodes, like, yeah, we, we have, we have talked about this too much. I think like, I just feel like we have folks like Izzy and Maddie and Belle and maybe Marg who have barely been on screen. We had no reason to care about them. And it would be great if they were the ones, you know, because like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Lockie was really turned off by the rap or something, but it doesn't seem that way. It kind of no. seems like he's just like, oh, well, you know, I didn't really get to know Rosemary or maybe she was kind of just lingering in the background or whatever. But there are other people for whom that seems to be even more of the case. Right. Or you have somebody like Gemma who like, bless her cotton socks. She's a wonderful addition to the TV show and I hope she doesn't go away. But also it's it became very clear on this episode that they don't really have chemistry. Right. Like, but, I thought maybe she was a goner because of the things that happened earlier this episode. Me too. And he would go, oh, well, now that answers that question about that person. So we'll have to send her home, but see right. you in paradise, Gemma. Absolutely. Well, Gemma is still on the show, so maybe she wins. <laughs> uh, but yes. And then Osha comes back into the room and he says he has something quite important to tell them. And then it's like a cliffhanger, right? <laughs> Even though... We've known what's about to happen for like six months or whatever. And critically, um, they showed it in the previews. They also said like, we've next seen week this on. footage before. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, I mean, next week an intruder comes into the house and its name is people who are going to break down all the set and <laughs> take down all the lights and yeah, um, tidy things up and, uh, you know, everyone's going home. Its name is Global Pandemic. Right, exactly. I want to see how it plays out. I'm interested oh, I'm in this whole thing. I just, you know, I feel like this story could have been told a bit quicker. Yeah, yeah. To make room for this, I, I'm, I mean, I'm open to the fact that it might be terrible, but at least it's going to be something completely different. And that, um, I, if Channel Ten is, if what Channel Ten is looking to do is stoke drama in these early episodes, fine. But. Yeah. I don't know. If we're going to reinvent a whole season, so let's invent new ways to create drama over Zoom. Right. I can think of a ton. And I think the other interesting thing about what's going to happen, which we haven't talked about that much, is that it's going to take place over a much longer period of time than the show normally does. Yes. And in fact, for the first time, we're going to see things like Lockie having the phone numbers of these women. And they right. can just kind of like text back and forth and have like a couple of hour long phone conversations with each other. And like a lot of the boundaries and restrictions and, you know, formula of the show are going to break down in a lot of really interesting ways. I'm so excited to talk about it. I think that we should save it for when we have some stimulus, but yes. in my mind, this is fascinating. I'm thrilled that it is lined up with our 100th episode, which ah, is next week. Yes. Things are going to be weird. I'm really keen. Me too. I'm really excited. Me too. This is going to be a very good time here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. As we draw this episode to a close, Xavier, mm-hmm. I want our listeners to jump onto the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting Facebook group because did we come here to do anything? Well, you know, I actually 
can't think of a segue. <laughs> we um, did actually uh, come here to make friends. We actually came here to make friends. So, yeah, if you would like to, um, you know, we're coming up to the 100th episode. Tell us if you have any, like, fun memes or anything. Like, if you had a nice time listening to the podcast. We don't need to. It would be cool. No, you don't. Uh, it's, uh, you, uh, <laughs> 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 Dear. He's not comfortable asking for anything. But, you know, come online, have a chat. Let's hang out. Let's watch the episodes live together. We're always tweeting about it at BOHpod. You can find us on Instagram, BOHpod. Um, come hang out. Join our community. If you're listening to this episode, you haven't done it yet. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come yeah, on. we love you. Listeners, yeah. you can find Xavier on Instagram at XavierRN. You can find me on Instagram at Hojildebrand. <laughs> Really good. Really, really so good. Much. We gotta go. We yeah, love we you. We gotta go. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. With a T on the end. <laughs> I forgot to shout out to the Zave heads on this app. Um, I just want to let them know that they really matter to me. You know. All right. Okay. Well, um, yeah. do you want to do something? Do you want to pipe in something at the end there? I think I just said it, and I'll put okay. that in somewhere. All right. Well. Yeah. Good stuff.